Welcome back to another episode of the Tez News Podcast, where we bring you the essential briefing on the key news of the week for everyone who works for and with schools. I'm Matilda Martin, Tez's senior reporter, and this week I'm joined by our news reporter, Karis Turner, and Ofsted specialist and deputy news editor, John Roberts. Welcome both. Hi there. Hi. So uh, this week, it's all about Ofsted as we take a look at the headlines from a week that has been dominated by news of the inspectorate. You can read all of the news stories that we've covered on Ofsted and much more at test.com forward slash magazine forward slash news. So Thursday saw the publication of Ofsted's annual report and an NAHT survey on how heads feel about inspections. And today we've got some exclusive Ofsted analysis up on the site. So. Ofsted has certainly been under increasing scrutiny in the past year and since the pandemic. John, could you give us a bit of background and context to this? Yeah, so I think it's um, it's probably fair to say it's a, it's a particularly significant Ofsted annual report that, that, that came out this week for a couple of reasons, really. Um, as you say, the inspectorate has been under a lot of scrutiny this year. It, the, the kind of the death of head teacher Ruth Perry brought this to the fore. But even before that, there's been mounting calls for reform and mounting questions about the reliability of its inspections. So coupled with that, it was the last um, annual report that Amanda Steelman will produce as chief inspector because she's stepping down from her role after an extended seven-year term in December. And um, and also it's ahead of a general election year. So the the possibility of a change in the way Ofsted is done is very real if, if Labour's um, lead in the polls translates into a victory. So... With all of that, I think um, it's very, very interesting to see what, what Ofsted has to say and how much you reflected any of those pressures in its report. Sure. So, Keris, what did Ofsted have to say um, yesterday in its annual report when it was published? Yeah, so like John was saying, Ofsted releases a report every year which kind of gives a state of the nation look at the previous inspections that carried out um, in the last academic year. So... This year, there was a real emphasis on the legacy of COVID and particularly how it's impacted behaviour and attendance. So the issues with really disruptive behaviour and then just significant drops in attendance were really highlighted in this report. And Spielman said in her commentary that this is because the social contract between parents and schools has been fractured. uh, And that was a really a line that she emphasised when she was opening up the report. Interesting. This is something that we've heard before, isn't it, Karis, from from other leaders in the sector, this idea of a kind of fracturing of the contract between parents and schools post-COVID. So, yeah, absolutely, Matilda. Uh, so, Leora Crudis, who is the chief exec of the Confederation of School Trusts, so she used this exact same phrase at their annual conference just last month. So she warned that schools are facing a wave of mistrust post-COVID. And like Spielman, she said there's a real need to re-establish this social contract between parents and pupils and the relationship that they have with schools. Interesting. So what is the overall mood of the annual report? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of get the the impression. I mean, obviously, we, we've got a piece that focuses on COVID and Amanda Spielman kind of acknowledges that COVID is kind of dominated recent years but i think there's a there's a mixture of um optimism and some warnings in the report so if we run through some of the kind of warnings that ofsted makes he acknowledges that teacher shortages are impacting on schools it talks about the uh, the pressure of recruitment and retention and says that, that that can reduce expert teaching increase stress and limit intervention when children struggle i think 
the sector's probably really pleased that will be pleased to see Ofsted recognise that. I think there's a question mark about how much Ofsted can recognise that on individual school report level. But in this report, as Kara said, it kind of gives a state of the nation, sort of reflection on where we are. Ofsted acknowledges those challenges. He also, um, as well as talking about COVID and the, and the social contract, he also talks about um, pressures caused by demand for SEND services and raises some concerns about provision for SEND, children with special educational needs and disabilities. Says that in some schools, teachers are focusing too heavily on adapting activities so that pupils can com complete a task. Um, on a more positive note, Ofsted is obviously really, really, really interested in subjects now. Their whole inspection is built around deep dives into subjects and they've done what they call thematic reviews where they basically do a kind of a state of the nation on each subject. They do a summary of that in their report yesterday and that's broadly positive. And the only subject that it, um, that it really talks in very sort of concerned tones about is their religious education. Um, and then another thing that really came out strongly from the, the briefing that, that Karis and I had attended when they, when they launched this report was um, Amanda Spielman's stance on graded school inspections. So the quick backdrop to this is that Labour, if elected, plan to get rid of them, plan to get rid of single word judgments. I think that pretty much if you speak to anyone outside of education now, when they think of Ofsted, you really just think about the four four grades and that's, that's, that's how it exists in most people's minds. Labour are proposing getting rid of that and moving to a school scorecard. Now, Amanda Spielman in the past has always said that it's not Ofsted's decision, it's a government decision. Um, but she has spoken more recently about the kind of the positives of, of having a graded system that, that is welcomed by parents and that sort of thing. But when we, we asked her today, sorry, we asked her yesterday, um, what would happen to Ofsted's annual report if inspection grades were done away with? Like, would that make the job more difficult? Because they basically give a state of the nation, like the, this week's report will sort of say 89% of schools are good and, and X many requires improvement, schools have improved and that sort of thing. So it allows them to present to parents, to the public and to parliament, uh, an overall picture of the country. How would they do that without inspection grades? And um, Amanda Spielman kind of acknowledged that, it, that their ability to do this would diminish significantly, which is quite, I think, a, a significant thing to say. And we've got a piece on our site that reflects that. So, and she seemed probably, I think, as strong in defense of graded judgments as I've, as I've seen her previously in, in some of the other sort of um, select committees and things that she's appeared before. That's really, really interesting. And I think, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, with the general election coming up on the horizon, it's really interesting to think about, yeah, how how would a government present, you know, the state of the nation, as you say, to to the public um, and back to government itself if if they didn't have those those grades? Absolutely. On the on the other sort of side of the the coin, if you like, is what do head teachers think about the grade grading system and the and the and the kind of the way that inspection works at the moment. So we've we heard Amanda Spielman talk in favour of inspection grades and Nick Gibb last month too. But I think most of the most of not all of the education unions, I think, have called for grades to be reformed or scrapped. And just before Ofsted published their um, annual report on Thursday, the school leaders union, the NAHT, put out their own survey um, with some pretty stark findings about what heads that are in their union think about Ofsted and the impact of inspection. Keris, can you kind of you did our, our story on this. Can you kind of talk us through the headlines there? Yeah, so you're completely right, John. It was a, a pretty damning report. Um, I can just read out some of the main findings. Um, so four and five leaders lack confidence in offset inspections. And the majority, so almost 80%, said that they don't actually think inspectors fully understand the schools that they inspect when they come in. 
Officer pressures were reported by heads as being the number one impact on their mental health. And very emotively, they described the prospect of inspection as making them feel sick, stressed and terrified. And also a number of other very negative uh, adjectives to describe their feelings towards inspections. And uh, Paul Whiteman, who is the General Secretary of the National Association of Head Teachers, said that the service should be a wake-up call to the government and the number one priority for Sir Martin Oliver, who, of course, is taking over Amanda Spielman's role as Chief Inspector of Ofsted in January. Sure. Um, so, yeah, two two very different different stories and seeing that point of view from, from the sector and how, how they're feeling and then Ofsted's point of view both this week. So, Keris and John... You've been working on a story this week as well um, on Ofsted, looking at results from ungraded inspections and the expectations that they then create for leaders. Could you tell me a little bit more about that, John? Yeah, absolutely. So so we've been looking quite a bit recently at Ofsted grades, graded and ungraded inspections and the impact that they have on schools. Around a month ago, we did a, a big piece of analysis that basically set out the extent to which the outstanding grade has moved out of reach for many, many schools. Um, there's a number of factors behind that, um, including Ofsted's new framework and also a, a change in the way that they inspect good schools. Um, we looked a little bit further into that that issue in the in the piece that we have up today. So just for, as 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 way of background and as as briefly as I, I can do this, essentially in 2018, Ofsted completely changed the way that they inspected good schools. So good schools typically get a short, ungraded inspection which is we're off to go in for a couple of days. And the idea is, the presumption is that the school is good. And so they have a kind of a, a light touch inspection that um, that checks that that's still the case. Um, and they don't get a new grade, they keep their good grade. If Ofsted has major concerns, they can convert it into a full inspection. What used to happen was that if Ofsted thought the school not looking was great and going towards outstanding, that they would, um, they would convert then as well. So you could go from good to outstanding because the Ofsted was seeing like, could see an excellent school on the ground as they were in there. A couple, well, I say a couple of years ago, that shows my age. Five years ago, they um, they changed this and they said to these schools, "You're good and improving, and so what we're going to do is next time we come back, you can have a full inspection, and therefore you can get your chance to get the outstanding grade." That um, so that instantly made it a little bit more difficult for schools to get outstanding grades because those that were good had a short inspection, and let's say for argument's sake, Ofsted would have found them outstanding. They didn't. What they did was say, we'll be back in two years. We'll be back within two years to see whether you are outstanding. So basically what we did was um, see if we could find out who those schools were and, and what happened to them, if that makes sense. So what did they get their outstanding when the full graded inspection came around? And so we looked at 2018 and 2019, the two years after this change came to, into effect, and basically kind of crunched the numbers and trolled through inspection reports to, to, to kind of get to the bottom of it. Now, of course, what happened is the pandemic happened two years later. So Ofsted's timetable of coming back in two years' time was instantly scuppered. And then another thing that happened is in 2019, Ofsted launched a new framework. And so all of these things have kind of combined to make it much harder for these good schools to get to outstanding. But yeah, we've basically got quite a number of um, interesting findings from the from the analysis. So yeah, Karis and I, and I worked on this piece. Karis, can you kind of talk through some of the kind of headline findings that we found? Yeah, so... So one of the main points that we found was just 39% of schools uh, found by the watchdog to be good and improving in their ungraded inspection in 2018 and 2019 were actually upgraded to outstanding at their 
subsequent graded inspection. And so instead of the 471 schools that Tez uh, trawled through to find out, we discovered that just under half, so 49% to be specific, remained as good when they received a fully graded inspection. And despite receiving a full inspection because they were seen to kind of be on this upward trajectory, 25 schools were actually downgraded from good. Um, so 21 to requires improvement and then four to officers lowest grade, which is inadequate. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that they were probably the bits that looked out to us the most. Like, if you think about it, a school has essentially been told you're on you're on the way potentially to an outstanding grade, or certainly, you know, we think you've earned the chance for a full inspection to see whether you are outstanding. Um, a new framework comes in, a pandemic happens, you get the inspection three or four years later, and you're told you requires improvement or inadequate. It's quite a kind of a stark outcome. But one of the things that kind of um, is most striking in the analysis, and I've, I've referred to it already, is in 2019, Ofsted introduced a new um, method of, of inspecting schools, its education inspection framework. And this actually made, Ofsted made a conscious decision to make it more difficult to get an outstanding grade. Um, very quickly, kind of a technical point. Essentially, whereas previously the outstanding grade was awarded to schools where it was seen as a best fit, so they might have met most of the criteria, to get outstanding now, you have to meet all the criteria. So just the kind of the mechanics of it mean it's more difficult to get an outstanding and we, we could see that kind of really, really strongly in the data we looked at. So for those schools that um, were good in improving and they got their full inspection before this new regime came in, um, just under two thirds went up to outstanding. So like the majority went up. For those who had their full inspection after this, so after the new regime came in, it was less than half of that. So a really striking and stark difference between, um, between what a school was likely to get if it was inspected under the old regime compared to if it's inspected under the current one. And I, I think that that's, Ofsted might sort of say, well, that, that's a conscious decision and that's, a, you know, you're comparing two different inspection frameworks, so that's not necessarily um, comparing like with like. But I think for head teachers, that's a difficult thing to grapple with. And Keris, you spoke to one, didn't you, was in exactly this boat who had um, been downgraded under the new framework. Yeah, so I spoke to a head from a London school who asked to remain anonymous. So this school was downgraded from good and improving that ungraded inspection to requires improvement. And they also had waited more than three years for this follow-up inspection. And, you know, they obviously found it incredibly demoralizing to have waited so long. And they also noted, like John was saying, that they were inspected under two completely different frameworks, which is, you know, another trend we found in analysis and on a personal level for this head, they thought was just really unfair to be considered under two completely different kind of sets of rules, I guess. So I also spoke to the Association of School and College Leaders Inspection Specialist Tom Middlehurst about whether he thought if the outstanding grade, which is Ofsted's top grade as we know, actually kind of holds less value now, it's been shown to be out of reach for so many schools. I don't think it holds less value. I don't think it holds less value in the system. But I think that given that more and more schools are good or outstanding, that paper thin difference between those two top tier judgments has become smaller over time. So previously, there was quite a big difference uh, between the criteria to get outstanding and the criteria to get good. Now, when the outgoing chief inspector Amanda Spillman came in she said unapologetically that she wanted outstanding to be an exacting judgment and so that criteria a became more difficult to achieve 
So you had to achieve every single one of those criterion in order to get it, but also that differential between the good and the outstanding criteria became a lot less clear because of that decision to, to, to have a more exacting standard when it came to outstanding. So I don't think it's become less important, but I think it's become less clear what outstanding really means. I also asked Tom if it's kind of demoralising for schools to get this good and improving judgment in their Section 8 inspection, wait three or more years and then remain the same, or in the case of the London school that we spoke to, actually get downgraded. Yes, no, absolutely. We we appreciate the fact that you know schools have worked really really hard in these circumstances to get and it's very very rare to get that out from in the first place where you're told that you might now be outstanding and so schools have worked really hard to get to that point and and being told that they will be revisited within two years and then not being visited now clearly we have some sympathy with Ofsted here in terms of the pandemic um and and we were very clear that we didn't think that Austin inspection should happen in the uh, in the years immediately after the pandemic. So you know, it was very difficult to meet those timeframes. But for those schools who have been told that they were on an upward tra- trajectory to now be told actually they're not, is disheartening. But again, I come back to the fact that it it comes down to those single phrase judgments. And um, when we look at those reports, of those schools they do identify areas of strengths and areas of improvement but as far as parents are concerned they won't see that reflected in that overall effectiveness judgment so it all comes back to that single phrase judgment ultimately yeah i think that's, that, that's really interesting thoughts from um, from tom middleton i think what this piece does is probably speak to the, the wider concern that underpins where we started which is that there is a mounting question in the sector about the value of inspection grades about the reliability of them and, and, and about how useful they are going forward. We heard from Ofsted a, a quite a robust defense of, um, of their role, but also Amanda Spielman talked about the fact that Ofsted judgments are used by the government. I think she said for 20 or 30 different policies, including the DFE decisions about how to intervene in underperforming schools. So as we head into a new year, we have a new chief inspector and potentially a new government. I think there'll be loads for them to wrestle with, which is that are you going to keep Ofsted the same? Are you going to get rid of inspection grades? And if you do, you're going to have to dramatically redesign the system. What's that going to look like? And of course, as ever, uh, you can keep up to date with with everything that's going on in the world of Ofsted and all other things in the school sector with TES. Don't forget you can find all of the stories that we've discussed today and more on our website by visiting tes.com forward slash magazine forward slash news. Thank you so much, John and Karis, for coming on today and we will see you next week.